Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 850. We are the Fight Disciples and this is your MMA review from the weekend just gone. Lots to get stuck into. Uh, UFC went to Mexico, the PFL fought Bellator. And there's also little bits of news to throw your way as well. To start the show, though, I'm sure this fella's got a massive beaming grin on his face. Jürgen's boy is getting the job done. You happy? The Mickey Mouse quadruple is on its way, kid. One down, three to go. Marvellous. To do with your under-21s as well. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. I love that you're on the wind-up. Under 21s, under 25s, maybe under 21s. I think the average age at the final whistle was 22. Final whistle, final whistle. They've got a lot of kids in their team, but that's well. only just crap. I'm, I'm not saying they haven't. I just, that was only because Virgil pulled them the average age up as well. I think most of them were, were only 20, 19, or 20 years of age. Have we seen all our kids as well? It's like Neil Danz's son, yeah. Jason Kumas's son. Yeah. Lee Clark's son. It's like the yeah. sons of all these ex The offspring of former you know, footballers. I'm telling yeah. you, man. I'm telling you. So, yeah, it was good. A good day was had. A few beers sunk. Good little celebration. The go. last dance, isn't it? The last dance of the Premier League's greatest manager. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not going to dwell on football. I just wanted to flag it because I, I didn't want him to go on all day about it. All right? <laughs> Um, let's get stuck into some MMA chat because there's a lot going on uh, over the weekend, of course. Uh, it felt like WEC days in Mexico, didn't it? <laughs> not, not one fight over lightweight. 13 fight cards, mm-hmm. and we had uh, all of them either 155 or below. Nothing above that. No big lads. None of them whatsoever. It did feel a little bit like uh, old school WEC. Mm. It did, yeah. And a lot of the fights as well were, as you like to say, two wasps flying around a, a, a glass of cider or whatever it is. That's what it felt like. Just absolute chaos. Loads of action inside the octagon and outside of the octagon as well. Shit, Dana, yeah. Dana talked about that mass brawl, like rodeo-style brawl. But listen, we've been blessed to be at many events over the last 20-odd years, and we've seen the odd punch-up. You know, For some reason, Amir Khan boxing events were usually the most guaranteed to have a crowd punch-up. I don't know what Amir's fans saw or whatever or, or, or drank on the night. Maybe they just couldn't handle it. But these things kind of buzz up. And, oh, 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 God, it's made it up there. And then, you know, some separation and name-calling and then the protagonists get marched out. Not in Mexico, kid. Not in Mexico. In Mexico, everyone just stands there 
and watches people actually punch fuck out of each other. A mass brawl just played out. Let's let it play out. Mad. Mad stewarding. Just let it go. Let it go. But was there any stewarding? That's no. what Dana was just alluded to, wasn't he, in the press conference? No security. It just finished when it finished. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you bought a ticket, you actually thought that that was part of the entertainment. You thought, all oh, right, they're doing it outside the octagon as well, are they? Right, okay. A bit of a Royal Rumble type vibe. Mad. Very strange. <clears throat> yeah, very strange. But it was a mad night, to be honest with you. I was, uh, I watched it all back Sunday morning. I didn't stay right through. Um, I'd had, I dipped into PFL Bellator. We'll come back to that a little bit later and was very tired. So I ended up going to bed. I didn't stick with the UFC. I didn't even get as far as the main card. I watched all that Sunday morning. And listen, next picks every now and again, I miss one. Well, I missed two of you because I, I went for Moreno Rodriguez double. Get your money on it, kids. There's money to be won. There's value in the double. Jesus. <laughs> Off the mark. Uh, okay. <laughs> right then. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for those that don't know, Moreno, uh, Roy Val, the battle of the Brandons. Roy Val wins a split decision. 48-47, 48-47, and 46-49 um, in favour of Brandon, Roy Val. Um, firstly, do you agree with the result? Well, a split decision, as you say. Two of the judges added three rounds to two in favour of Roy Val, the winner, and one judge added four rounds to one in favour of Brandon Moreno who now goes 0 for 3, by the way, in Mexico. You know, he is the poster boy of Mexican MMA, and he's 0 for 3 on Mexican mm. soil. It's a bit like, uh, what's his name in it? The big heavyweight who can't win in Texas. Derek. Brandon, Yeah, Derek, yeah. Brandon Moreno cannot win in Mexico for a feel for the kid. And I, to be honest, I, I agree with the judges' scorecards, the two that had it three rounds and two in favour of Roy Val. I thought it was... a. Uh, Really close fight, some really close rounds in there. I'll give you that absolutely. But I think the commentary team nailed it at the at the start of round five when they basically went, listen, we had some good rounds, had some close rounds. They both had moments in all four of those rounds. But is it all to play for in the last? And I just kind of thought, you know what? It is all to play for in the last. Whoever wins this last round wins the fight. And for me, Brandon Royval won the last round, probably his best round. But on all three judges' scorecards, they gave it to Moreno that last round. You're joking. Did they? All three. Wow. And so did I. Right. So here we go. I love it. You know I love a criteria. Come on. No, listen. I think it's a really tight fight. Exactly what you've just said. There's The first round is a bit bizarre for me because now it happens. No. It's like, you, like I've said this on a couple of occasions with some fights. You've just start. You've just got the new PlayStation game, and you're messing about with controls, and you're doing a few moves, but it's all shadow boxing. It's miles away from your opponent. There's lots of feints, lots of bits and bats, and there's there's, there's, there's tiny amounts yeah. uh, of action. I edged it towards Moreno that first round. I think there was a there was a big left hand in the final minutes over the top, game. which clipped Roy Val's chin, and I put, and I literally went, "Oh, well, that's won the round then." <laughs> yeah. Um, so round one, I found quite disappointing and I thought, okay, maybe they're just having a little bit of a look. There's a bit of respect here. These are two lads that are in a weird position in their careers. They've just come off the back of losses to, to the champ, Pantoja. Pantoja's in attendance. They know what's at stake here. Okay, right. You're just having a feeling out process. It's Mexico. Brandon's in Mexico. You just said he never wins in Mexico. It's mad. Okay, let's have a look. 
And like I said, lots of shadow boxing, but I did edge it towards Moreno. So I've got Moreno one up, right? Now, round two, lots more action. And this, for me, is the round that I think decides the fight. Um, because you've got overhands from Brandon Moreno, and you've got really good leg kicks from Brandon Royval. Yeah. So it's about the value, I think, in, in, the, in this particular round. I think it's much of a muchness. If you actually look at the stats... I know you hate me doing this, but if you look at stats, Brandon Moreno lands more than Brandon Royval in this particular round. But uh -huh. again, it comes down to what um, you put in, put it down as the more effective work. Where's the effective striking? Where's the effective grappling? Do you put more effect on Brandon Royval's kicking game, or do you put more effect on Brandon Moreno's overhand rights? I went Moreno just. So I've got Moreno two up after two. Um, yeah, I think that's how I... That, I didn't actually write down my scores, but in my mind, I had Moreno two up after the first two rounds. The first one literally based on one shot over the top. The second one, just having that little bit more success, that little bit more damage. You know, as good as the body kicks and the, and the low kicks were from Roy Van, the occasional head kick. Nothing catches the eye more than a big hook over the top and the head snapping back. And for me, that's where the emphasis was. I think Roy Val was starting to wear the fight around his right eye where that left hand just kept on clipping him. Um, so, yeah, I had Moreno. I also had Moreno probably two up after the first two rounds. But it was very un-Moreno-like performance. It reminded me of Ian Gary's performance against Jeff Neal the other week. Just road running around the outside, looking for openings, looking for pot shots. But where does it thought that Ian Gary coasted through that fight, or I wouldn't say coasted through it, but you know, probably won every round with that style. I think in the third round, Moreno just started to slow down, and Roy Val just upped his pressure, upped his output, upped his work rate, and Moreno didn't go with him. Yeah, and I think that's when it it happens in three for me. There's a, there's a slight turning two in three. Roy Val turns it up, and you can see yeah. that he starts to go through the gears. He's having a little bit more success, isn't there? Um, and round three, I've scored it towards uh, Brandon Roy Val. Even though, yes, it, the the output goes up, and the, and they kept making the reference to the stats, didn't they? Within the fight, Brandon Roy Val thrown this amount of shots. Yes, he did. He did throw a lot of shots. I think it's the second most in a UFC fight. We all remember Max Holloway doing the exact same thing against Calvin Cater, but a lot of Max's work that night was actually landing flush, clean. It was clean and effective against Calvin Cater. Roy Val, I think, attempts in total, it, it was something like over 550 strikes uh, in this in this particular fight. But how much of it was landing? When you actually look at the action, he's got a nice eye guard as Moreno. Mm -hmm. And even though he's not really offering much offense back, he's catching a lot on these forearms. It's not really... In the in the what you would class as the effective area, I know it's having an effect. All right, before people jump at me, if you're punching and kicking somebody on the arms, I know it's having an effect, but it's not having as much of an effect as being booted in the face, is it? Now that being said, round number three, I've gone uh, Brandon Royval because he does turn up the heat, and Moreno doesn't go with him. And I've kind of done the exact same thing for round number four as well. The heat's still there; he's still going through the gears; he's still going at a relative pace. Moreno in this round, mate. Is very predictable, yeah. really unmoreno like. I'm watching him and yeah. I'm like, all you're doing is just trying to land a massive right hand. That, what are you? This ain't you. What's going on here? And it was every single, every single movement again, 
coming back down to my PlayStation analogy, you've learned that, oh, that's a good move. Right, I'm just going to keep doing that move. Mate, You're in, this is an elite fight. Most people are classing this as a, as a title eliminator. The dude's figured it out. He knows what you're doing. He's in, pop, pop, stand back, wait for the big right hand to come. Go back in, pop, pop, stand back, wait for the big right hand to come. Yeah, it was it was really, really concerning in that fourth round watching Brandon Moreno just try to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Yeah, the corner team picked up on it as well. Moreno's corner team at the end of the start of four and at the start of five also. They're kind of saying to him, you know, you've got to try and pick this up now. The, the, the fight's close. Could be either way. You know, maybe you've just lost that round. Come on, we need to do something else. So they they, they sensed the agency in the corner. It wasn't like they were saying, oh, we're, we're coasting this. The game plan's working perfectly. The game plan for me wasn't working. You know, and, and listen, I, I respect Moreno for trying something different, certainly on a stage as big as this, trying to bring Roy Val onto his shots and bring it in. But after... Success in the early rounds, but then no success really in three and four comparative to what Roy Val's throwing. And don't get me wrong, Roy Val's throwing a lot and he's landing. You know, he'd throw four and might land one. Hmm. But Moreno was landing one and he would only occasionally throw one, but he only yeah. occasionally land. So just on pure volume alone, Roy Val was having more success. But for Moreno not to step it up, not to do something different, not to go, right, fuck this back against the fence stuff. I want that centre octagon, let's go. He let Roy Val command the fight from the centre of the octagon by circling on the outside. And when it wasn't working, you go, right, stop doing that now. Go back to Brandon Moreno, the fucking output machine, and stop trying to just land one big clean shot. Go and beat him. Go and beat the guy, set a pace. But Roy mm. Val, like, I've got to be honest, Roy Val's, using the video game analogy, his energy bar from three, four, and five, it just kept going up and up and up. And you think, wow, mm. You know, anyone that's ever been to Altitude, I was in Salt Lake City and the Altitude there was it's similar oh, to yeah. Mexico City. Did you go to Salt Lake City? I did, did yeah, yeah. i just like to bring that up when <laughs> Leon Edwards became only the second Brit in history to become a UFC champion. I was there, yeah. But let me tell you, Altitude like that fucking destroys your cardio. Brandon Roy Val got better and better. And I know he fights at elevation. He trains at elevation anyway out in Denver. But mm. still, for, to do that over 25 minutes and to just keep going up was mightily impressive, man. He went mm. and Moreno couldn't couldn't catch him, in my well, opinion. I, I, well, and this is the thing in, in round number five, right? Because then you see a, a different type of tactic then from Moreno. He, st he tries to stifle the fight. So the the yeah. start of the start of round number five, he comes out and it's like, right, he's just had a rocket put up his backside. He comes out, he lands big early in round number five. And you think, oi, here we go then. Go on then, yeah. Brandon. But then he's like, right, I've had success there. And I've landed big, good couple of significant strikes. I've rocked Brandon Roy Val's head back. Right, I'm going to clinch him up against the cage. I'm going to stifle this fight. So he, he clinches him, goes up against the cage, and nothing's happening. Yep. And obviously Herb's losing his rag. Herb, yeah. Herb lost his rag in the first round, if you remember, because whilst they were shadow boxing and going round each other and all this type of thing, Herb's like, engage, <laughs> just yelling, engage. Lads, get bored here. Come on, yeah, engage. On Herb's bollocking him in the first round. He then gets stuck into him in the fifth round. So the minute that they clinch up, you can see that Brandon uh, Roy Val's trying to frantically, I need to separate here because I was having success in three and four. I was having success. I need to separate. I need to get that distance to get my thing going again. 
and Moreno's having none of it. it. Just holds him. Doesn't do anything. He doesn't inflict any damage. He's not doing any anything what you would class as effective. And Herb's like, this ain't happening on my watch. Separate, bang. Taps him on the bike, separates him up. And Moreno's like, accepting of that. Do you know what I mean? If you, if you were, if you were in a, a position there and you are proactively trying to do something in order to maneuver that fight in a particular direction, Herb's separation is relatively quick. He's, he doesn't yeah. mess about with it, does he? I'd be kicking off. If I'm working something, if I'm going towards something, if I'm trying to make something happen in that moment, I'd be like, well, what, what, what are you doing? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm working for this. I'm working for that. But Moreno's like, all right, you've, you've caught me out. <laughs> right, and he's kind of just accepted it. Walked back to the center of the octagon. Right, let's go again. And then he lands another couple, and then he stifles it again. It reminded me so much of like Lawrence Coley tactics. Pop, yeah. pop, get hold of. Right, so he's landed a significant blitz at the start and had nothing come back at him, and then stifled it for about <clears throat> a minute. He's separated, had another little successful spot, and then stifled it again. Now, ultimately, when the round finishes, and I know that they're swinging for the hills in the last couple and there's, there's bits and bats going back and forth. Me, when I was analysing this, I'm like, he's, he's taken two minutes of the round away here as Moreno, just by holding him. Nothing happened. You can't score any damage for Moreno. You can't score any damage for Rival. Nothing happens in that two-minute period. So you've got three minutes there where you've got a bit of data. Right, who did the most effective striking and grappling? And... When I look at that three minutes, I think, well, the, the, the more effective shots actually came from Moreno. And all right, it's not dead obvious. And it's not like, wow, mate, he's absolutely gone and won the round. He's done it maybe with a little bit of an old man's trick. And that's why I went round number five in favour of Brandon Moreno. And that's probably why I can see the, the judges have gone that way as well. But... I'm not offended with anybody saying uh, Brandon Roy Val wins that fight because I think two's really tight. He could easily have taken uh, round number two. And that's probably how I would get to a 3-2 situation uh, with uh, with Brandon Roy Val. Um, I personally scored it for Moreno, so I've no mm -hmm. doubt that people are going to come at me for that. But you know, one of the judges gave it 4-1 to Moreno. And it was a close fight. It was really close. Um, <clears throat> but as I say, I just thought that Three, four, and five. See, in five, all I'm seeing is Moreno run out of ideas, looked exhausted, never seen him look that tired before, and trying to hold on and ride out rounds, whereas Roy Val was trying to work. Roy Val was trying to get his shots off. I thought he did do enough in, in when they were separated in those exchanges to be the guy that wanted to win. And as the fight ended, he was the one coming forward. He was the one throwing shots. Moreno was moving backwards. So for me, I was like, mate... I was disappointed in Moreno. I've got to be honest. I thought he ran out of ideas. His game plan didn't work. Down the stretch, he got found wanted. Brandon Roy Val, for me, his fitness was better and he wanted it more. He wanted to win. He was the one driving forward. He was the one looking to finish the fight, looking to dominate in the rounds. Moreno's just looking to hold on and ride the round out. And for mm. me, that's not how you win a fight. So, yeah, that's why I went with Roy Val in the last book. Curious that interesting that the, the yourself and the three judges all went uh, with Moreno in the last round. For neither coming away from the fight, I... who 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 fights for the title next? 
Right, this is where I want to go with this because I'm I'm I come away from that. Pantoja's there, right? So it's obvious what you're yeah. trying to line up. He's just had a really good fight with Moreno, which was really Let's... close. He becomes champion. Uh, Brandon Royval gave a really good account of himself in the last fight, but Pantoja, I thought, won it relatively comfortably. So now this is a battle of lads that have got beat off Pantoja. Go make a statement, fellas. Go and get yourself a fight back with Pantoja. I think I genuinely think that the winners, I mean, are Albazi. He yeah. was supposed to be fighting Brandon Moreno in this fight, wasn't he? So therefore, yeah. okay, you, you got injured, you're off the fight, you're going to lose ground here because one of these is going to make a statement and they're going to propel, propel forward. You're going to be back in an eliminator later on. I don't think he loses, mate. I genuinely think that the UFC might look at this and go, well, I'll tell you what, let's put uh, Brandon Royval in with Amir Albazi. We'll do that as an eliminator and the winner of that yeah. can get Pantoja um, at, at some point later on this year. I don't know who you put in with Pantoja. I don't know. Pantoja's booked, though, isn't he, for, for UFC 301 in Brazil? He's booked for the... Has he got an opponent? Spot. No, no, but, you know, that's where he's being lined up for. So I don't think the UFC in a position where he can go, we'll do Roy Val versus Albazi in a final eliminator because they need an opponent now. I, I think Albazi might just circumnavigate both these two. Yeah, I Because with all right. due respect, with Moreno obviously coming off a loss, which could easily have been a win, but... Neither of these guys has covered themselves in gold. And I look at both both guys as opponents for Pantoja right now and think, why would Pantoja, after beating them both pretty recently, I don't see them do, either doing anything different. I don't get me they wrong. They haven't I done enough to win it, have they? They, they haven't done enough exactly. to get the shot again. Exactly. Because you watch it and go, okay, Roy, Roy Val's won. And Roy Val looked incredibly fit. And let's not forget, he took this fight at short notice yeah. down in Mexico City. He stepped in to replace Albazi. So is there an excuse there to go, well, with a full camp, would Roy Val have been even better? Well, at times in this, I think this was the best best we've seen, Roy Val. His scrambling on the ground was really good. Getting back to his feet, his output was really strong. The issue with Roy Val is I just don't think he hits hard. Even though he's talented on the feet and he is a striker, he doesn't hit hard enough. Moreno's got a dig on him. Figueredo's got a dig on him. They're guys where you think, land clean. I know Figgy's not in this weight class no more, but about <laughs> flyweight who can bang. You know, yeah. Henry Udo, when he was a flyweight, he's, he had that in his arsenal. That's the one thing missing from Roy Val. He's a really talented striker. That's his game. But he doesn't quite have the pop. If you put him in Ben Pantoja, you go, if he clipped him, he could, like, if Moreno clipped Pantoja clean, he could knock him out. I don't see Roy Val knocking him out. So where's the route to victory then? Because Pantoja for me, has just got that incredible, heavy, concrete-skinned jiu-jitsu base that neither of these guys I can see beating them anytime soon. So I wouldn't mm. be against them just going, you know what? You played the blind today at Albazi by getting injured because we're just going to put you straight in for a title shot. Fresh opponent, fresh look, completely fresh dynamic. It's hard to sell Roy Val part three in a main event in Brazil for me. Yeah. You just mentioned Henry's name there. I put a video out on our YouTube channel yesterday because obviously Henry in his ice bath at the weekend said, he ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. I ain't going anywhere. Um, so I was just spitballing around some ideas of uh, who uh, he could actually fight. Now, for me, the standout would be Davison Figueredo, Cody Garbrandt winner at UFC mm -hmm. 300. Yes, I know I ca I'm causing trouble there because I know that Henry Ciro used to train Davison Figueredo. That would be amazing, that dynamic of them two getting it on if Davison Figueredo is successful to come through against Cody Garbrandt. However, you might have seen, after me putting that video out, he has his own YouTube channel, this Henry. So he's gone straight on his YouTube channel and he's gone, I fancy a little bit of a dance with uh, Brandon Moreno at the Sphere. Of course he does. Yes, he wants to be on the Sphere show, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is UFC 306 coming up in September. 
Uh, it is uh, the Mexican bank holiday weekend celebration. And Henry um, said, why doesn't Brandon Moreno and me uh, have a little bit of a go? Brandon Moreno, I would imagine that he's asking him to maybe step up in weight there mm-hmm. uh, to go up. I don't think Henry's talking about going down at 37 years of age. Listen, options, options, options. But from a title point of view at flyweight, I think you're right. I think I'll, Amir Albazi might be the winner here, mate. Not fighting in this fight, circumnavigating him. He might be the guy in line for Pantoja at 301. Yeah. And there were five tough rounds for Roy Val and Moreno, you know, especially coming in at late notice like Roy Val has. You know, will he want to jump straight back into a camp and turn it around? But more than anything, can the UFC sell me that fight as a punter? Am I interested in Roy Val getting the next shot at Alejandro Pantoja? I'm not really. Fresh meat Albazi, go on, yeah, I'm interested. Albazi's unbeaten. He looks incredible. You're asking him to take a massive step up without winning an eliminator. But you know what? Stranger things have happened, man, so put him in there, yeah. I think I think Albazi gets the title shot. Interesting that, just on that point, sorry, on, on, on Henry. I didn't see that he called out Moreno. And that's really interesting because for me, moving forward, if you're 37 year old Henry Henry Cejudo, you've won Olympic gold, you've won UFC flyweight gold, you've won UFC bantamweight gold. If you're gonna continue, continue at 145. Try and change the game. There's a narrative there. To, okay, I think he gets battered at featherweight, mate. I think. Do you he, think? Yeah, I think he's too small. I think. You're I talking thought, about Ilya Tapur is the king at 145, isn't there? I know, I know. But I thought, if you're going to have a go, have a go at greatness. Like, I'll be honest, I thought, I don't know whether you mentioned it in the vid, I haven't watched the vid because Liverpool win the first of four trophies, so I was detracted. But I'm surprised he never called out Volk, a super fight with Volk, International Fight Week. I'm surprised he didn't go down that route. Not to say Volk would have taken it or even considered it, but a super fight with Henry and Volk, two former champions, two form two go conversationees. Mate, that 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 tickles me balls for your international fight week. It really well, does. You saying that actually leads us on nicely to the co-main event here in Mexico. Because we've just obviously spat, spat it around there saying, does Brandon Royval beating Brandon Moreno in the manner that he did? Does that get him in back in with Pantoja for a shot at 301? Yaya Rodriguez and Brian Ortega were supposed to be an eliminator. Uh, for the new champion, Ilya Tapuria, um, in some way, shape or form. I think most of us yeah. will conclude that Alexander Volkanovsky, given the the body of work that he's done at 145, is absolutely well worthy of a rematch. It just comes yeah. down to time. Does he want some time off? Does he want to rest? Does he want to chill before he comes back and has another go at uh, Ilya Tapuria? So would there be yeah. an interim fight is basically what we're insinuating there. Now, Brian Ortega, mate, right? He has two and a half year out after busting his shoulder, <laughs> rolls his ankle whilst Bruce Buffer's calling his name. Man's beating himself up. Gets madness. I mean, there's a, I mean, listen, there's a conversation, a conversation here about whether round number one's a 10 8, getting his absolute ass kicked in, uh, in round number one. And yeah. then, and then just turns it around. It's absolutely in the conversation for one of the comebacks of the year. There's no doubt about that. And at the end of the year, we will refer back when we're talking about comeback of the year, uh, where Brian Ortega uh, delivers a submission victory. Once again, in the, he loves to, subbing people in third round, doesn't he? 
It's, that's that's your no-brainer. When you're doing Nick's picks and Brian Ortega yeah, fights yeah. again, just say third round sub. It's what yeah. he does. Yeah. He was magnificent. And he is 100%, for me, the next contender for the title. I would Ooh. put him straight back in there with Taporia straight away. And that's only because I love Volk. And Volk is one of the biggest names, the biggest characters, the biggest personalities in this sport. But I want to see my little Volky have a rest. And I want to see him come back at the end of the year with a straight title shot. Um, sign me up for that right now. October, November, December. That's Volk's next fight date. Whoever's got featherweight gold then must face Volk in the last three months of the year. Sign it, seal it, we'll deliver it. Don't worry. In the meantime, I need a challenger now. And I, and I need a standout challenger to go to Spain and to take on the new champion. And Brian Ortega just slapped his cock on the table and went, that new challenger is me. What a performance. What a, not just the comeback of the year candidate because of where he's been in the completely in the dark for the last three years, but comeback of the year for the actual performance as well. As you say, when he rolled his ankle and then you see him responding and he's like hobbling around and I'm like, oh my God, the fight's about to start. Dude can't put any weight on his right ankle. This is insane. And then... Takes an absolute shellacking. I did score a 10 8. I did, did score you? a 10 8 for Yara. I, thought he, I, I know thought Ortega comes it. back in the last 40 seconds yeah. Yeah, and ends the fight it. on top. And it's like, oh, but actually, when you weigh it up, I'm like, nah, man, that dude got fucked up. If you take that, the way I like to look at it is, and I don't know whether, you know, maybe I need to speak to my some of my uh, judging colleagues and get their advice here. <laughs> judging colleagues. I love the fact that you friends. have put yourself in there and now as one of With the elite, elite, judge, just... elite judges, my judging <laughs> colleagues. By that, what I mean is... Basically, nope. our teachers. People yeah, who exactly, teach yeah. us what, what the crack is. Yeah, go for it. Just to let you my know, there is, there is... Well, what it is, all the a lot of judges, there's about 30 of them, meet once a month on a yeah. Zoom call and they go over old fights and they discuss they it and score fights and they invite us in. in. And I've taken part on a couple of them and it's brilliant and it's a massive asset and education for me. And this is something I'll bring up with them maybe on the next Zoom call. But the way I think of it is, I go, right, that was a fucking 10-8 until the last 40 seconds. Dude, dude has now put that fresh in my mind. Well, is 10-8 right? Because he was on top at the end and he did have that 40 seconds. But the way I like to think of it is I go, wait a minute, turn the fight around. If Ortega had those 30, first 40 seconds, that, those 40 seconds now are the first 40 seconds of the fight. And then I get four minutes and 20 seconds of Yar Rodriguez kicking him from pillar to post and absolutely beating him up. Okay. Then it's absolutely a 10-8. It's absolutely a 10-8. Okay. So, that's kind so you're of putting like, the data in a different order. Yeah, because... The value is the round, not the last 40 seconds. Just because he had success in the 40 seconds, that shouldn't overshadow the fact that he got dropped twice. He was nearly stopped. He, like, he got battered, let's be honest. So anyway, I went 10-8. But okay. round two, that's when it got flipped around. Because Ortega in round two just kind of looked just looked at himself, thought, I've had all this time out. I've had the worst possible start. Rolled my ankle. I've been battered everywhere. I've got blood coming out of everywhere. But this ain't happening to me today. No way. And he just went, boom, and changed the fight completely. It was unbelievable. Incredible. Somebody called the cops. But not for me. <laughs> 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 mega. Absolutely <laughs> mega.
I thought round two was a very sensible way of getting yourself back in the fight. Why? What do I do really good? Right, I'm a mint grappler. Okay, let's get as close as I possibly can to this kid that's wicked with yeah. range, brilliant with his feet, brilliant with his hands, and he's booting me all over the place. Let's get as close as I possibly can, dump him on his back. Let's see if he's got anything from his back and then work from there. Then when you put him on your back and you see, actually, he, listen, he can grapple, but he, he ain't got any offensive he grappling off his back really there. You know what yeah. I mean? He ain't, he, ain't, he ain't working to my standards. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. So round number two takes it relatively comfortably, flips it back uh, in his direction. Why change it in three? You don't change it in three, do you? You just have massive success. Don't let Yair Rodriguez get any more confidence. Sweet. Let's get as close as I can to him again. And the yeah. minute, the minute that you get close to him, trip the fucker up and put him on his back. Bang. Dump. Then, the best thing about Brian Ortega, and he's proven this time and time and time again, you give him a gap, he'll find yeah. it. Absolutely. The, fir- the, the second round, fair play to Yair Rodriguez. And I know that a lot of this takes up takes place up against the, the the cage wall, so therefore the gaps there, and it's a little bit it's a little bit easy to defend there, isn't it? Because you because you've only got one side really offensively to be able to try and nail. So, well done, Yair yeah, Rodriguez. You stayed in the fight, but Brian Ortega, clever man, he's realised it now. He says, right, this kid's got fuck all off his back. Sound. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I'll do. I'll trip him up in open daylight. So let's get him as close to the center of the octagon as I possibly can. Put him on his back because he ain't going to be able to swim there, mate. And it was rapid. The second that the gap uh, opened, triangle chokes in, he's flipped off uh, full mount onto the side, cranked it up, job done. Finished. He's an elite finisher. Now, Now, even so, that that's his first submission since 2017. Madness. Cub Swanson, mm-hmm. last time, sorry, last submission finish. He had a, a, a TKO in, in, in between there. But last submission finish since uh, since 2017. Of course, he's been out for two and a half years. He only fights once a year. This is the problem with the dude. Get yeah. active, Brian Ortega, because you're a problem. Big now, time. my counter-argument to you saying that he's the guy that you'd like to see with Ilya Taporia, I personally don't think two and three in his last five, two of those being title shots, which he has fallen short of, warrants getting back in for yet another title shot, uh, given the the amount of activity that he's had in the last couple of years. I think he should have at least one more before he gets an opportunity to Ilya Tapuria. Mm-hmm. No, I totally understand that. And Ortega might even say the same thing. He never, unlike Yar Rodriguez, who was calling for the title fight all week, and took his eye off the ball potentially, or maybe thought he had the fight won in the first round. Um, but even when he put a microphone in Brian Ortega's face afterwards, he wasn't calling for the title. He wasn't saying "send me to Spain, get me the guy." He was very. But afterwards, I don't, fight. I don't, I don't know if you saw afterwards in the press conference. He even said, "Listen, Volkanovski's been the king of this division for a long period of time. He's, he's if guy. he's calling for a shot, it's him." Yeah, yeah. but. If there's an opportunity, I am more than willing to go wherever in order to fight for the title. Yeah. Is what he's saying. And, and that's the right thing to say. You know, he's saying all the right things, isn't he? And just some of his striking was in guard was absolutely outstanding. You know, he's posturing up with one arm, but then he's dropping his weight down with that elbow. He's not throwing an elbow down. He's pushing off Yar Rodriguez's face. 
and then just dropping his weight down through his elbow. So you know the head's going to be there because you're lining it up every time. Hence the reason when Yaya got that wicked cut right on his cheek. Some of that ground and pound was absolutely electric. I thought at times Brian Ortega's hands look really good as well. And that ground game is just phenomenal. You know, he's he's looking for the slightest chinks in your armor and he's going to exploit them. And that was a really quick finish, you know, just to cinch up that arm and neck. Oh, and then throw his legs awesome. over into side and just go, bump, that's it. It was unbelievable. And listen, I know he held on and stuff. And grab Mark Goddard. He's in the zone, man. He's but in the yeah, zone. Of course. And with all due respect, just six minutes previous, when he limped back to his corner at the end of round number one, didn't hardly know what day it was. If he, who could have guessed six, seven minutes later, he'd be fucking choking the guy out. You know, the, 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 the way that fight flipped in the second round was just incredible. But listen, I, I'm delighted for Brian Ortega. He does need to stay active. If it isn't a title fight next, then he absolutely needs to be back out again in the summer and looking towards a title fight at the end of the year. But he seems like he's in a good place right now. You know, I know he was very God and thanks to God and all that kind of heavy and very religious. He's obviously found religion and that's been a bit of a salvation for him and keep him on the straight and narrow and everything else. And, Fighters go through these journeys, especially fighters who are on losing runs. They 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 search for different things in life, different solutions. And he seems to have found it. And and the whole religion thing is incredibly powerful, man, because it allows you to separate yourself from rolling your ankle. You know, he said then of all my ankle, I thought, I can't put my weight on my ankle. But then the first thing in his mind was, This is God's plan. And it allows you to separate yourself to go. So you're not feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, my God. Of all the times to roll my ankle, not now. Oh, I can't put weight on it. But panic, panic, panic. He's allowed, having that with faith has allowed him to go, oh, this is God's plan. It, it is what it is. Let's just get on with it. And it's that's incredibly powerful. I used to talk about that a lot with, certainly with Brazilian fighters. A lot of Brazilian mm. fighters are incredibly religious and would always talk in a similar way. Well, you know, I've done everything I can. The rest is up to God kind of thing. That's so psychologically powerful. Because you don't dwell on things, you don't punish yourself, beat yourself up. Because in your mind, there's something on a higher level that's dictating how this is going to end, and there's nothing I can do about it except enjoy the journey. So yeah, I, I think he's a genuine contender, man. I think it's our, Volk's probably favourite, but I love Volk, and I want to see Volk back to 100%. And I don't think quick turnaround Volk is 100% Volk. I think Volk end of year, that's 100% Volk. Well. If the weekend is anything to go by, the, we're, we're talking of a time frame between June and August, aren't we? That's yep. that's when we're talking. Because Mr. Taporia rocks up looking like a fucking Scorsese film buddy at yeah. uh, the Bernabeu. And he's yeah, doing keepy uppies and taking fucking penalties with bloody Real Madrid team. And crowd's going wild for him. Mega. Um, and obviously everybody's seen the, uh, the regeneration of the uh, Santiago Bernabeu. Mate's on. It's absolutely happening, isn't it? The dude yeah. just rocked up, fully suited up, belt on, keep ups. He's crossing over, mate. It's absolutely gigantic for the Spanish speaking community having Ilya yeah. Tapuria, the 145 pound champion. So that's the time frame. Is that too quick for Volkanovsky? I would say yes. I'm sure Volkanovsky would say no. Mm -hmm. um, so let's see how that plays out. First, first and foremost, I think Volkanovsky is the front runner. I'd yeah. even say that Max. Is ahead because Max has got wins over Brian Ortega and Yaya Rodriguez. Max has obviously got his date in April with Justin, Definitely. which could which could be brutal. We don't know how that's going to play out. Um, Max is out. 
Yeah, there's no way. You... There's no way. There's no way Max comes out of that fight one unscathed. He's going to have to do incredibly well to even win because Gaethje at the moment for me is the is the guy. Uh, I just can't see Max coming through that unscathed and going right. Turn me around for Brazil uh, for Madrid, please, team. I just can't see him coming out of that BMF fight in that kind of condition. Hmm. But we'll see. But we'll see. As you say, there's a lot of moving parts at the moment, and they haven't even booked the Bernabeu yet. And well, we've got International Fight Weekend. The end of June is now three o three. It will yeah. have to be a numbered event, a pay per view event. So we're looking at three o four will be in July. Three o five will might be in August. Maybe they're the potential for Madrid events. But it's got to be Madrid. Guys walking out at a packed Bernabeu stadium, getting a fucking stand innovation on Spanish TV. Like it, it's now. You've got it. Let's go. I think what were the highlights from this world. card before we jump over to PFL and Bellator? What were you all the pick out points? Uh, well, pick out point first and foremost, right? I wanted to bring up the Zaluba against the Prado fight, which was on this main card. Zaluba, brilliant, reminding me very much performance wise of what Ian Gary did against uh, Neil yeah. Magny. Just Correct. brilliant, systematic breakdowns, brilliant striking. Um, now. That's one side of it. Big celebration of what Zaluba did because he went and did his job. Prado, he's 21 years of age, this kid, right? He's getting the fucking shit kicked out of him. Properly getting the shit kicked out of him. Why the fuck are they sending him out for round three? Yeah, That's my take. And I know that this is MMA and they look at, certain, they look at things differently, but there has to be more... I don't know whether compassion is the right word. Just just brains of going, we are not winning this fight. Just We're not winning it. Duty of care towards your fighter. He's 21. We're not talking about an old dude who's on his way out. We're not talking about somebody that's fighting for a title. We're not talking about that level. We're talking about a 21-year-old lad just starting out, really, learning the game, who's getting the shit kicked out of him. Mm. Your instructions to him in between two and three are, you don't need your eyes. Well, I'm sure Mr. Bispin will argue the fact <laughs> that maybe you don't need the eyes. But we're talking about a 21-year-old kid, man. Yeah. Listen, there's no shame in saying, I'm saving you for another day, mate. This is a little bit of a step too far for us right now. Let's have a breath. I'm throwing the towel in. We're calling the fight. Let's get back to the drawing board, get some work done, and we'll come back maybe at a tear down, and then we'll rebuild from there. I do not understand the point of sending him out for another five minutes, where he gets the shit kicked out of him again, mm-hmm. what's that done for him? Has that damaged mm-hmm. him psychologically going forward for his career? I think it was a massive error in judgment from the corner and everybody involved to send him out for the final five minutes of that fight. Yeah, uh, I know what you're saying. I mean, it was hard to watch because he was getting a shellacking, but they will counter-argue now and go, just made the most money in a single fight in his entire life because they got a 50G bonus. Yeah. It was fight of the night. Yeah. So Prado goes back to, uh, is he Argentinian? He's South American, isn't he? Goes back home. He's got a 50 grand bonus check to spot with his, with his wages. Okay, he only got show money, didn't get his win money, but he got a 50 grand bonus. As you say, the, the long-term effects could absolutely outweigh that. How he, how he comes back, who he comes back against, the, the recovery time. This is only the second loss of his career. It was a bad one. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I know what you're saying. I completely hear what you're saying. 
But their corner team will be going back on. Big kid, we left you in there. You made yourself 50 grand. Aren't we great? Mm-hmm. Uh, Manuel Torres and Chris Duncan, we said on the preview last week, one round. It ain't, go, it ain't getting out of the wrong round. We, we, we were absolutely bang on. And I feel for Chris Duncan because yeah. he lands that shot nice and early. He absolutely hurts Manuel Torres. And then he gets giddy. He just makes a mistake. Makes a mistake. There was no need to shut the distance. There was no need to grapple with him. Maybe it was a case of, well, I know the other guy's got really good power in his hands as well. So I don't want to get caught off the wounded animal. So let's get close. Let's grapple. And let's see what this fella's all about. Turns out this fella all of, is all about pretty decent when it comes to the grappling exchanges as well. Chris Duncan. I'm sh- Listen, there's nothing. There's no shame in getting beat off Manuel Torres. Six first round finishes on the spin, mate. Yes, we know he's got hands, but he's also got great grappling. You just made an error. You stung him. If you'd have just kept the distance, stayed on the feet, you could have done him again, maybe. That was yeah. where I thought that the, 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 the chance to win the fight was. He stumbled into uh, a grappling exchange, of which ended up getting submitted. Gutted for him. Yeah, I, I, I've got to be honest. I was incredibly impressed with Manuel Torres. I thought Torres looked fucking brilliant. Really good. Really good. And I, I, as you say, did Chris make a mistake? Absolutely. Was Torres just absolutely dialed in, switched on? Yes, he looked brilliant. He looked he looked brilliant, to be honest with you. It, it was his night. It was his homecoming. He got the perfect opponents in Chris Duncan, someone I knew he didn't have to go looking for. And El Loco didn't have to turn on the El Loco. He just turned on the class. I, I thought he was brilliant. It was a great submission. Yeah. Cinched it in really quick. Got it on super tight. Chris Duncan's as brave as they come, man, and he's as tough as they come. But Torres just done it. Torres done a bit of a number on him, I've got to be honest. I thought Torres looked brilliant. Yeah. Um, we highlighted the Edgar Chavez uh, Daniel De Silva fight. Both neither man had won in the UFC. One was zero one four. One was zero one. Obviously, they had the no contest. They had all sorts of bits and bats. Yeah. And then on Friday, Edgar Chavez comes in at one hundred thirty one pounds, mate. Five pounds over. Yeah. Fucking hell. And he ended up getting a first round sub as well. He should like. I know that you are a massive champion of this. Start with a point deducted, mate. Change the momentum of the fight. Yeah. And that's, uh, obviously, right. it wouldn't have changed this fight because he, no. he got a submission in the face, but still, yeah, absolutely. Six, a five pound over the weight? Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Not with this backstory, you can't. Uh, felt for uh, Raul Rosas Jr. as well. He got ill in the back. He turned up at the venue. He's warming up and he just... It just wasn't happening. Um, so they've uh, they've rescheduled it for next week. It's good to see as well that they're not going to make these two lads cut weight again. They're going to do it at a catch weight instead. Oh, uh, so uh, that's going to this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, this yeah, week. this Saturday at the Apex. They're just going to shift it to the Apex. Good for him though that he didn't get to the opportunity to fight in front of the Mexican fans, and I'm sure that they were good as well. What is he fucking 19, 20? I'm sure that I'm sure yeah. that opportunity will come again. Absolutely. Um, so all in all, Mexico, even though they did have a mass brawl in the crowd with no security, mental, um, was, it looked incredible atmosphere. Yes, it's a little bit decision heavy. Yes, there's lots to talk mm-hmm. about. And I'm sure you've got your own thoughts as to uh, who won that main event. So get stuck into the comment section. All right. Um, and I'm sure you're going to get stuck into the comment section regarding what was going on in Saudi Arabia. PFL mm-hmm. versus Bellator. Um, Night of Champions. Bellator come out 5-1 victors. We called that. We did get that prediction right. We may not have got the main event and the co-main in Mexico right, but we absolutely said, didn't we? We only seen one winner 
for PFL, and that was going to be Henan Fahir in the first in the main event because he's a proper heavyweight, and Ryan Bader's a, a, a blown up light heavyweight. So we ne- we absolutely nailed our predictions for PFL versus Bellator. But what did, listen, I don't really want to dive into each individual fight nitty gritty or anything like that. We know what we're watching here, but what did you just make of the show? Because that's what fight sports in Saudi is at the moment, isn't it? It's a show. It's a spectacular. It's all bells and whistles. It's much Easy about though. the pyrotechnics as it is supposedly about the the what we're seeing inside the ring. We're seeing crossover fights and Ganu fights. You know, we've got AJ and Ganu coming up. We've seen Fury and Ganu. It, it's, all, it's all got a little bit of a circus element to it. So what did yeah. you make of this night of champions, the champ versus champs? Um... Right, taking the fight into one one side and taking the the level of fighters because I know what I'm getting. I know that it's Europa League, mm. all right. So I know that that's the standard of what I'm watching at this moment in time, compared to the standard of what I'm watching in the UFC. So I've no problem with that. I understand it. I just don't get it at the moment. This at the weekend was supposed to be a bit of a flex, wasn't it? This was supposed to be right. PFL have bought Bellator. Right, we're going to put our champions against these champions. And this is, come and look at us, ladies and gentlemen. Come and look at us because we are the new kids on the block and we are coming for the UFC. That's the message that I'm hearing. That's what yeah. I'm feeling. Every time I see people interviewed about it, that's the message that's coming my way. That yeah. excites me because I think we need a second positive quality player in the market in order to keep the UFC on the toes, in order to give fighters proper options with their careers going forward. All right. So at the weekend, I'm thinking to myself, right, come on then, PFL. Let's see what you're all about. First and foremost, I think you drop a clanger, putting it behind a paywall. Ridiculous. Put it in. Absolutely ridiculous. So you're making people pay in the UK. Now, I know know that obviously the American market are used to doing this, but you're making people, uh, people in the UK that maybe had an interest in watching this pay an extra 20 quid. Um, on top of the subscription that they already pay for in in the zone, so I think that's a, a clanger first and foremost. Yeah, um, I know why you're going to Saudi Arabia. I know why this is taking place in Saudi Arabia because financially, maybe that's the only way at the moment that that, that it can be funded Thank with people it. demanding wages and all that type of stuff. I just think visually it don't work because if you're flicking between channels and i know that the you're on a different time zone than what was happening in mexico but if you're flicking between cha- channels atmosphere wise and feel and energy chalk and cheese yeah if you're flicking between ufc and you're flicking between pfl and you're going back and forth it's chalk and cheese the the miles off miles off what the offering to a fan watching the ufc is mm-hmm. get rid of the bellator brand Get yeah, rid of it. Completely what agree. are you doing? I don't understand why it is still part of your conversation. It holds absolutely no value. It has Agreed. negative energy, if anything. Me as a fan consuming, when I hear the word Bellator, I think that it's a graveyard for fighters that are no longer at the standard. That's what I yep. feel. That's what I think. And I am sure that the majority of fight fans out there think the same way. Get rid of the brand. PFL have done positive things over the short period of time. I like the league format. Love it. I like that you can lose a fight and still be in weird chance of coming back and winning the million dollars at the end. I get all, I get it. 
I think you've done really good. I think the move into Europe last year to showcase some new fresh talent, again, the standard of maybe opposition against some of the fresh talent. We're not seeing the very best against the best. But I understand that. I understand that it's a step down from the UFC and that this is the Europa League level of MMA. Get rid of the Bellator brand. It is not doing you any favours. It's confusing your audience. And if anything, it's turning them off. Get rid of it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, I, I just can't believe... I thought this would be the night where they went, that's the end of Bellator now. It's gone forever. We've done it. We've done what we said we were going to do. We're going to merge both brands. There's only one belt now. So those belts, the PFL belt, the Bellator belt, they're not wearing anything now. There's just going to be one belt, and that's going to be the PFL championship belt, whatever you want to call it. That's all this is. And I love the belt. It's got a ring that pops out, Super Bowl ring. Big fan. Love all that stuff. But I was watching this, uh, and unlike you, I, I, I appreciate this is the Europa League, but then I would also instigate, well, but wait a minute, Vadim Nemkov and AJ McKee, that's like watching Liverpool in the Europa League. They're Champions League fighters. They just happen to be operating in the Europa League. The problem is that you can, you can count them on one hand. The showcase, I'm, for me, wasn't even necessarily about what was going on inside the cage because I like a lot of stuff going on. Huge fan of Dan Hardy, of course. I know he's a yeah, good league on that, but his fucking brain is incredible and he's a mm -hmm. wonderful analyst and he's great on camera. And I love the fact that Chell was there causing murder and you had John Jones floating around, mm -hmm. everything else, blah, blah, blah. But you didn't even give me me, me moments. You didn't even go viral. You had the, a proper heavyweight bat, batter, Ryan Bader, fully predicted and called on this show. Ryan Bader, who's the Bellator heavyweight champion, which straight away, not in personal against Ryan Bader, completely devalues the Bellator brand. Guy couldn't make it in the UFC at light heavyweight. Now he reinvents himself as the heavyweight champion. Get rid of it completely. But you've got a guy there that's just chinned him as a proper heavyweight should. You're telling me Ngannou's going to fight him? Where's your moment? Get the viral moment. Get Ngannou in the cage and go nose to nose. That's what the PFL are flogging this horse going. Francis are coming back. After AJ, France has come back to the PFL cage and now he's going to fight this guy who's our heavyweight champion. We won it tonight. Knocked out Ryan Bader in 30 seconds. This is the fight, man. Yes. Here we go. No snows. This is the moment now that goes viral. This is what I've been waiting for. France is sitting cage side. He can get off his arse. What does that tell me? As a fan, what does that tell me? It tells me there's absolutely no way on God's green here Francis Ngannou's fighting that guy. Yep. Because Branson Ghani was going to stay in boxing. That was clear yep. to see. You may as well have just announced that. Actually, we're not going to do the head-to-head -head because, let's be honest, Francis could chin AJ and he ain't ever coming back to MMA the rest of his life. So why would he? It was just, I don't know, that was kind of like, I know that was the end of the night, but it was just a, it was just a weird event to watch, man. It was like going to the circus and there being no crowds. There, being, there was no atmosphere whatsoever. And the comedian tell jokes and no one's laughing back. No interaction. You know, it, it just felt weird. I messed, first thing we said this morning before we even press record, and you said to me, you went, it felt soulless. Bang on the money, Adam. That's what it felt like. Uh, I wanted to do well. We both yeah, wanted to do well. I love same. Clarissa Shields. What Clarissa Shields is doing should be sung from the fucking heavens. She is crossing over. She's conquered boxing. And now she wants to conquer MMA. And more than anything else, 
as she's struggling through these early fights, we're seeing how much of a difficult and different discipline it is to cross over into. I love that. That's your Netflix documentary right there. Clarissa mm-hmm. Shields' journey should be a fucking Netflix show. Never mind Wrexham. Clarissa's journey into MMA should be a Netflix show. I'd watch it every week. There's narratives in here. Adam Pico is the future, man. Adam Pico is the guy. Gets a sensational revenge victory knockout in the first round. AJ McKee's legit as fuck. Vadim Nemkov going to heavyweight. I'm interested. I know that's very much a hardcore name and a hardcore fight, but I'm interested. There's bits in here. But the overriding presenta- presentation of it, I'm just like, what is this? What am what is it? Yeah. Uh, like you said, the Francis Ngannou thing was was a little bit baffling to me, mate. You've got John Jones there, first and foremost. Great. Uh, John Jones is on camera, on microphone, and he's talking about fights coming up. So he's talking about Stephen Miocic, UFC yeah. fighter. Talks about Tom Aspinall. Great. Talks about Francis Ngannou, who is PFL. There is absolutely no way whatsoever that the UFC are going to let John Jones fight Francis Ngannou in the PFL. So therefore, the PFL have got to be open to allow Francis Ngannou to go back to the UFC in order to fight John Jones. And obviously, Francis is there then. I mean, the best bit of the whole night, from a Francis point of view, is him calling John Jones fat um, on, on camera whilst he was sat next to Mike Tyson. You're right. They missed the trick with the face-off. There is absolutely not a cat in hell's chance that Francis Ngannou is going back to MMA if he beats Anthony Joshua a week on Friday. Mm. If he beats Anthony Joshua a week on Friday, he's a boxer and he's Mm. staying there. And do you know Mm. something? Even if he has Rock'em Sock'em Robots and he goes back and forth, he ends up getting beat off Anthony Joshua. Deontay Wilder needs an opponent. Exactly. Do you not think Turkey Al Sheikh in Saudi Arabia is going to go well? Deontay Wilder looked pretty poor last time out. He's a heavy hitter. Francis hasn't got a win yet in the world of boxing. Go on, let's do that to kick off Riyadh season uh, 2024 or whatever he wants to do. Come on, man. Let's get mm-hmm. real about it. If there was any real legitimacy of Francis Ngannou fighting that fella, six foot eight, Enem Ferreira at the weekend, he'd have been nose to nose and they'd have been billing the shit out of it. That noise came out in the week in order to try and get eyeballs on this event. That's the yeah. only reason it was used. No problem with it. Francis is a business partner. Use his name to leverage sound. And I'm sure he was cool with it. But And I'm sure they would have said to him, Francis, you're getting in the cage at the end with the fella. Why? I ain't fighting him. I'm fighting Anthony Joshua in two weeks, lads. Come exactly. on. Let's get real. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. Listen, there's good people involved over at the PFL. Of course they are. Uh, really good people, really talented, really ambitious. They've got a lot of money coming in from the Saudis. There's absolutely no reason why they can't get it right. But at the moment, it's just not it, it's just not it in the mark, is it? It's just not clicking. That um that lawsuit that's coming up in uh, April is going to be really, really interesting. From a from a UFC point of view now, if you're a Dana and the UFC guys and you're looking at what PFL and or whatever it was at the weekend served up, you think to yourself, there's no problem whatsoever here. However, if there's a change in the way that the UFC have to operate going forward because of that lawsuit that's coming up, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Because if there is no changes, I don't see any threat whatsoever. UFC are just going to absolutely smash this to pieces. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of smashing it to pieces, 306, The Sphere, Las Vegas, for uh, an independent weekend celebrating uh, 
all things Mexico. Mate, that is going to be sensational. And I'm led to believe that in the next two weeks, Dana's going to start to drip feed to the media plans and how it will look. A fight oh. inside the sphere, UFC wow. 306. I can't even I can't even figure out how it's going to look. I can't even imagine what you do with an octagon in front of a complete coverage screen. <laughs> like, what do you even do with that? Because you can't just put a camera on it and put it on the screens because it'd just be weird. Do, do you go pro the ref? Does that go on the screen? Do you... I, I like the idea of going, right, this guy's from, like, you know, the fucking... This guy's from, like, the jungle area, and then you're, like, you're straight in a jungle, and, like, there's all wah, 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 animals and fucking all the, the cover and all that. That'd be amazing. Or they go, right, this fight is going to be on, you know, top of a famous landmark in Mexico. Mate. This famous, oh, like... Imagine. Bump. Imagine if they, like, went, we're going, to, we're going to the Coliseum. And we That's go like I mean. old school fucking there's lions and shit running around exactly. and all that. And all like, there's like Caesar in the background with a thumb up and down <laughs> and all that stuff. That'd be amazing. But of course, this one has all got to be Mexican theme, though. There's got to, it's got to be relative to Mexico. So oh, you've got yeah, to look yeah, at yeah. Mexican destinations, landmarks across Mexico, or historical moments in the history of Mexico in the background while there's a fight going on. But will that detract? The fighters, you know, you're, you're trying to throw a right hand and suddenly a fucking, you know, I don't know, a bullet shoots past or whatever. It's just mad. It's mad. I've got no comprehension or imagination to be completely dialed in to go, that's what they're going to do. That's what makes it so fascinating. Like, what the fuck are they going to do with that giant screen? Or yeah, when you like... when a punch lands, they go, kapow! Boosh! You know what I mean? <laughs> it's fucking mad. Well need to be there. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's how your uh, MMA show, uh, review show, shapes up uh, for today. We'll be back later on in the week to uh, get stuck into the preview. Uh, please subscribe to us. Um, you could do that via talk. Talk? You could do that via fightdisciples.com. Get yourself on there uh, for all your audio feeds. Spotify, everything's on there. And we're also, as you know, on YouTube. There's a red button in the corner of this video. Hit that. Hit subscribe. You'll never miss out on any of our content. Um, our boxing show is delayed by 24 hours. It'll be with you on Tuesday. And we've got some special announcements regarding boxing in the build-up to AJ versus Ngannou next week. So make sure you tune into tomorrow's show. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.